Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. Some uh, decades ago now, when the internet was just becoming available, there were the early search engines, and one of those early search engines was called Ask Jeeves. In fact, I think Google, which is well known now, actually bought Ask Jeeves search engine and developed it further. But there's a... um, uh, a story that was uh, circulating at the time that was sort of illustrating the um, how you know search engines can be used, and I'm I'm not sure whether it's true or a made up one, but it, it goes along these lines that um, this uh, uh, you know young academic was trying to explain to his mother how um, the search engines work, and he was saying, look, you know, in just Type in anything. I can type in any any anything. You can ask it, this search engine any question, and it'll it'll give you an answer. And uh, so, and he was trying to illustrate how you could type into a search engine. You know, what is the capital of Latvia, or you know, what is the 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 weather in London at the moment? So. Yeah, I said to his mother, "Look, you know, so so what's the question? What do you want me to type in?" She said, uh, "Can you ask uh, how Aunt Elizabeth is feeling today?" And, and of course, the, that's something that the search engine couldn't couldn't tell that. Uh, and it related, of course, different views. It was the so the situation that we. Um, have here, of course, is that we can uh, develop these algorithms that can use these uh, particular word clues to search for data that is already uploaded on the internet, of course, and um, and find these things. But it can't tell us how people are feeling. It can't tap into actual people's minds at the at the present time. And, of course, this is one of the uh, limitations of, of science in that there's this disconnect. Science, in many ways, as we study it, can deal with the real world. Now, of course, we can connect uh, devices to people's brains and, and measure changes in um, electrical uh, densities um, in the, in the brain and, um, and circuit pack electrical um, circuit uh, changes within the brain uh, when a person is experiencing different stimuli and this sort of thing, and we can you know presuppose what they're thinking. But this is the because our thoughts are non-material. It's very different to the real world that that science works in. But, of course, the non-material world, this world of our thoughts is the world where where God is, uh, where we make decisions, moral values, um, the decisions to do right or wrong. These things are all um, in this non-material uh, aspect of who we are, of, of living things. And of course, there was also the the Einstein gap talks. Einstein talked about this. We have the classic Einstein gap, where where material things that are made up of uh, atoms and molecules and this sort of thing can't tell us that they are alive. Like a rock can't tell us about its history, how it got there, this sort of thing itself. 
We ourselves, the human brain, though, can look at the rock and say, oh, this rock has uh, particular layers in it and those layers match uh, those particular, uh, the layers that we find in that mountain over there. So maybe this rock is washed from that mountain over there, something like that. Um, we could measure the, the temperature of the rock and say, well, this rock is, you know, so many uh, 100 degrees above absolute zero and so forth. And But the rock can't tell us that. So inanimate things can't actually communicate. They can't, and they can't compile Im- information. Um, we can have a whole lot of, you know, pebbles or sand on the, the, the beach and, and this sort of thing. But we don't see the the natural action of um, you know wind and different molecule and water rushing and this sort of thing organizing the sand into really complex structures sure we can make little cliff structures and and sometimes we do find unusual you know and interesting patterns on the sand but we don't usually find a pattern then on the sand saying that um, giving the equation relating energy and matter, for example, or, you know, the laws of gravitational attraction, the, these sort of things. We, so we don't have things, um, we don't find these um, inanimate, just material objects communicating information. And this is, this is really important. But... One of the one of the important things I think is um, we think about well, and sometimes I think about is to uh, what about the future? What is the the future for humanity? And um, you know, recently there were uh, candidates uh, vying for a particular uh, political seat, and um, one of the stands was on the. Um, impact of humans on the on the environment and global warming these sort of things and there was a big issue there that as humans we're changing um, the environment in some ways and we know that we're polluting it uh, pretty heavily um, and we want to make these changes and we want to try and you know save the the planet from um, the environment of the planet so that we have enough food and water for for everyone there and so this is a people are, are looking to to science there to preserve the future, and we see, you know, some of the young people protesting. You know, uh, act now to protect the environment. We want to have a future. But it's interesting, you know, that God talks about a future that He is going to prepare for us. And I read um, the texts in the Bible, some texts as, as Paul wrote, reading in First Corinthians uh, 15, verses 51 on. Uh, the Apostle Paul, who had that supernatural experience with Jesus and meeting uh, Jesus after the resurrection, um, and that totally changed Paul from being a persecutor of Christians and a... He was a very knowledgeable um, uh, Jewish man, a Pharisee, so well versed in in the Bible, and um, he thought, you know, the new Christian faith was wrong. But he had a personal experience with Jesus, 
um, a supernatural experience. And that was so real, it totally changed his life. And to understand that, that here was this person who was uh, strongly persecuting Christians, had this experience that totally changed his life and he he turned his life around to the point that he uh, gave up his life in, in effect in order to go and witness in Rome and in particular to Emperor Nero the time he was hoping to. So here it's powerful evidence that this experience was very real and Paul had developed this really close connection with God, the creator God, the God who had created us and the universe. And Paul, as he wrote uh, to many of the different churches, he wrote to Corinthians, the church of Corinthians there, and it's recorded in the Bible in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 onwards. Lo, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable nature must put on the imperishable and this mortal nature must put on immortality. And this is really interesting because science can't do anything really to stop us from dying. Eventually everyone will die. And... Paul here, though, says that there's hope, there's something beyond. Many uh, people understand that, you know, what we call the soul, I guess it's our, our mind, who we are, is immortal. But this is not what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying that when um, Jesus comes at the last trumpet, those who are in Christ will be changed. They will have immortality. He explains it. Perhaps a little bit better, or not so much better, but in uh, a little bit more completely over in uh, the letter that he wrote to First Thessalonians in First Thessalonians chapter four, and reading for verse thirteen of chapter four, he says, "But we would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning those who are asleep. In other words, those who have died." Because Jesus talked about death being asleep. There will be a resurrection. There'll be a resurrection for everyone. Um, those who have chosen to want to do good, chosen Jesus as their saviour and and wanted to um, repent of their sins and have turned to God, chosen Jesus as their saviour, they will be raised at the when Jesus comes again. But later there will be a resurrection of everyone to face God and see that God was just. Uh, but then those, um, again, who have rebelled against God, our Creator, our Heavenly Father, who, who created us, made us um, to love. He wanted to love us and, and to experience that love in return. Uh, those who have rejected that, unfortunately, then um, will be destroyed after at the end. But for those who accept uh, Jesus, and this is the wonderful message of the gospel that we have a God who love, loves us, who wants to save us. But those people who want to persist in doing their own way, doing their own thing, being independent, rejecting God, they uh, will be um, eliminated. They don't uh, live forever. 
I guess this is also very comforting too because many uh, Christians understand and, and perhaps teach that uh, those who don't accept God would um, are, are tortured in hell forever. But um, I think um, the, the Bible is quite clear that that is not the case. That would not be a loving God. Uh, there's no point in that. In fact, uh, you know, in John 3.16, it talks about people. God wants to save us so that we won't perish. And that's an end, put a, an end to things. So um, those who uh, persist in, in evil will perish, will be eliminated from the, from the system. But reading on there, and perhaps just reading again, but we would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep, that is, those who have died. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the archangel's call and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall be always with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. And I think so this is where science can't offer us anything after we die. Science can't offer us any hope. It doesn't paint any future. Why? Because science can't study that particular area. And we know that people die, they're buried, they're in the grave, they stay there. And that's as far as, as science goes. Science can't revive dead people. We can't uh, restart them up again. Some people who are very, very close to death, we can restart up their hearts and, and so forth. Um, and sometimes people, uh, when we restart them up, that have died and get their brain going again a short period of time, uh, they've been able to revive them if um, there hasn't been that damage to the to the brain, you know, such as people that have fallen and drowned in very, very cold water. There's been cases of people where they should have been dead, um, but they've been able to revive them because there was minimum damage. But once that damage occurs in the system and people can't be revived, then that's it. Science can do no more. But God paints a picture of hope, of, of beautiful hope there. But how can we know that uh, God is Israel? How can we know that that is really going to be the case? Well, I think one of the things that has convinced me over the years has been the the answers to to prayer and the experience of how God can work on our minds. And um, just recently I've been working on... Uh, completing a book uh, that I've been putting together of answers to prayer in my own life and uh, just uh, going through and editing some of that, it, it reminded me of a time when we had, my wife and I had 
bought a little 11-foot caravan. It was a 1976 York caravan, quite an old caravan, but it had been kept in good condition. And we, at short notice, decided to do this trip around Australia. We decided to head off to Western Australia and then go up the west coast of Western Australia. We'd never been there before. And uh, although I'd done some trips to Perth, flying into Perth, but we'd never actually explored the West Coast. And so we drove uh, across and we drove up the West Coast and we called into a little place called Coral Bay. Oh, it was so beautiful there. And uh, we went to the caravan park and uh, the lady at the counter said, oh, you're very lucky. She said, we only have two sites book, booked. This was... Uh, uh, she said, it's peak holiday time over here now. It's Everything is, is booked out. You're so fortunate. And this was um, in the, the winter months here in Australia. It was in, in July, I think, late June, early July. And this was the peak time when particularly the people called the grey nomads, the older folk who were retired, uh, travel around and move to these warmer places. And we mentioned that we were travelling up to Broome and the lady at the caravan park at Coral Bay said, oh, so Broome will be booked out. You, you need to phone ahead to try and get a booking. She said, oh, I doubt very much whether you'll get anything now. It'll be all booked out. And so we tried to ring, but we couldn't get through. The lines were just so busy. So we enjoyed our stay at uh, Coral Bay. It's a beautiful spot where you can just walk off the beach into the water and begin swimming over the coral and in amongst the fish on the reserve there, the ocean reserve. Anyway, we drove and we. I had a certain piece about it, but when we drove into Broome to the... Um, tourist information centre and I saw the great long line of caravans. I, you know, I can't remember. Maybe there were 20 caravans or more lined up at the information centre. And we parked our caravan and I was thinking, whoa, I don't know how easy it's going to be to get a site. And I went in, there was this great long queue up to the you know, booking desk. And I heard one of the... Um, ladies there uh, saying to a customer, look, uh, you know, all the caravan parks are booked out. What we're doing is we're putting caravans in the sports ovals and in the showground at um, at the present time, you know, and they're allocating particular showgrounds and ovals where, and they're opening up, you know, park areas um, anywhere where there was, um, you know, toilet facilities, public toilet facilities for the overflow for all these people that want to stay in Broome at this time. And so I said to my wife, well, look, let's pray that we will be able to uh, to get a spot. And I think we had prayed earlier as well when we were heading off that we would get a spot, but we prayed again. Now we realised how, Lord, please help us get a place in a caravan park. And I I felt impressed. I said to Colin, look, let's, my wife, let's just drive to the different caravan parks and, and actually go there and see if there is a vacancy, you know, rather than relying on the information centre. You know, maybe there will be one. So we set off and... On the, as I was looking at the uh, map, I noticed that uh, on the route between the information centre and I thought, well, the Cable Beach Caravan Park, Cable Beach is the 
the top tourist centre. It's the one everybody talks about going. It's where they have the camel rides and the sunset. And I said, well, look, let's go to the, you know, the most desirable caravan park first and then we'll work back from there. So we're on our way to Cable Beach Caravan Park along the tourist route on the tourist map and I noticed that the map also showed this other sort of back road that was a shorter route and I said to my wife, oh, well, let's take that. So we uh, turned down this um, back road and we were driving along anyway. The tar soon, bitumen soon turned to gravel and then we noticed we were driving along and there was a big high wire fence and we saw the gravel road sort of ended and turned into this gate in the fence and there was a big um, sign-up broom waste management centre. <laughs> My wife turned to me and said, oh, OK, so we're spending the night at the tip, are we? But uh, we, and then we saw where the road hadn't been completed. It, although the map showed it going through, it was just bush. So we had to turn around and um, and drive along. So as we came around towards Cable Beach, we we're now coming in the road, probably from the different direction to what you would normally come into um, the Cable Beach uh, Caraman Park Road. And as we we're driving along, looking for the park entrance, oh, woo! We've passed it. the The sign was. From the direction we were coming, the sign was partly obscured by trees. And I uh, thought, OK, well, I'll stop and reverse up. But then I looked in my revision mirror and I saw, yeah, there were a line of cars behind us just through traffic. So I had to keep going and travel down the road a little bit till I could find a place where I could turn around with the caravan. So I turned around and we came back up. And there now on this side of the road, there was no parking on the road outside the caravan park. Um, you had to actually drive in. But I thought, well, if they're full, there's no point driving in. So I just stopped and I said to Colin, look, I'll keep the engine running. Just stand here, uh, standing here, run in and just see if there's a vacancy. We, After all our experiences, we weren't holding up much hope. But when Colin went into the office, she told me that she went in and the the man there was on the phone and uh, she saw that he was finishing up the phone call and he put the phone down and said to Colin, can I help you, lady? And she said, we were wondering if you would have a uh, caravan site for seven days. We'd like to stay for a week in Broome. And he said, lady, you're in luck. That was a cancellation for a booking for seven days in Broome. And what's more, he took us up to... Um, a little site, and it was a perfect shady site, just perfect for our caravan. And when I thought about that, I thought there are a number of things that happened there uh, for us to get that site. And remember, all the other, we were told the information there, all the other caravan parks are all booked out. There's this great long wait of caravans uh, lining up, still waiting to find a spot. People were being put into sports tables and sports grounds. And we got this beautiful site right in the best, most desirable caravan park right on the beach there at Cable Beach. And a number of things had to have happened there for, for that to work out. Those people had to, for whatever reason it was, have decided to ring to cancel at that time. And it was fairly late in the day, so I recall it was probably around four or five o'clock 
in the afternoon, so it's reasonably late for wanting to get into a caravan park. Secondly, they had to they had a booking for the seven day period that we wanted. The seven days from when we had now arrived to when we had planned on our sort of rough itinerary to, to want to leave. And they had to make that decision at then at that time. And I guess God could see and maybe they were umming and ahhing whether they'll cancel or not or because it was perhaps quite late in the day to make be making a cancellation. The other thing was that if I had arrived earlier, we would have been there and told that the caravan park was fully booked out. If we had have arrived later, the chances are that another the caravan park would have notified the information centre we have a booking now and someone would have been slotted in straight away. And or there was probably a waiting list even. There may have even been a waiting list. But because God had impressed me to take this silly detour, well, no, it turned out to be a detour, to try to take this shortcut, and then we missed the sign, we were delayed by just the right amount of time to get there at the end of the phone call. That's a lot of coincidences to line up. But to me, it illustrates how, how God can can work. And I have so many examples of that. Matter of fact, just after we had this wonderful time in Broome and we turned out we arrived there just at the time to see the um, stairway to the moon effect as the uh, the moonlight reflect rises, a full moon rises over the tidal flats and it looks like a, a silvery stairway up to the moon. Um, people go out to watch it, but we we continued um, travelling on the uh, notorious um, Gibb River Road and we'd been travelling for quite a few weeks and Holleen said to me, you know, I'm, I'm missing female company. I, I'd love to have you know, a lady to talk to. And I said to Colin, look, let's pray about it. And we arrived at this remote campsite on the way to Mitchell Falls in the Kimberleys on the Edward River and uh, just after we, uh, we were setting up our tent, uh, uh, a lady drove in by herself. Now, most people were travelling in couples, or even if they were two guys together or in groups of four-wheel drives, and this lady drove in in a little four-wheel drive by herself with a little dog. And Colleen said, oh, she looks like an interesting lady. I'll go and um, have a chat to her. Anyway, it turns out that this lady was delivering the census, but she'd been told then that she couldn't go any further in her vehicle um, because the river crossings were too rough. And uh, so we offered to... Uh, Colleen said, well, we could take her with us, couldn't we? And uh, we said, yes. Uh, so we offered that, and she agreed to, to come. Now, as we start off on every morning in our car, we would say a little prayer, and... So I said to her, look, I hope you don't mind, but we pray before we drive off. And um, she said, no, that's fine. I said a little prayer. And then afterwards she said, I'm a Christian too. And it turned out this was a lovely Christian lady. She was delivering the census form. She had a, had an amazing Christian experience. And she and Colleen had so much in common in their interest. I think they talked virtually all the way to Mitchell Falls and back. But it reminded me how God not only provided some female company for Colleen, but also Christian female company of a lady who had similar interests. We serve a God who loves us and has a future plan for us, a future to bless us and a future 
to take us to his kingdom through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. You've been listening to Faith and Science and remember if you would like to re-listen to these programs, you can Google 3ABN Australia, that's all one word, .org.au and click on the listen button. I'm Dr John Ashton. Have a great day. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio. 